A Christian mind is not one that is trained to think only about Christian topics. It is a mind that has learned to think about everything from a Christian perspective. We have to understand God rightly to know him intimately. It is the gospel that orients my thinking on every other issue. You can know if you're trusting in Jesus that every single atom in this universe is working for your good. That's why I'm sticking with Jesus. Not because he always does what I want him to do. I'm sticking with Jesus because I just haven't found any better alternative. Hey everyone, you're listening to episode 75 of the Black Berea podcast. My name is Mary and I'm with Israel and Gabby. How you guys doing? Hey, hey, hey. How you guys doing? Uh, deep. Sorry. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Manhood in the building. Hey, friends. Nah. <laughs> Masculinity. I quickly, I quickly took a, a glass of water before we started. Sorry. How's everyone doing? Okay, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Sun's out. Yeah. Waiting, waiting. After the return of the Lord, the next thing I'm waiting for is June 21st. Nah, <laughs> bruv. Yeah, see- <laughs> I don't know if you just saw the news, yeah, but I'm hearing rumblings that this May About 17th. third wave. Yeah, the third wave. And then they're oh. saying In that. In the name of <laughs> Jesus Christ. We rebuke it. What is Bam. going on? You know, you know so France, France has gone into a lockdown and they've even yeah. they've said now that yeah. the, this May 17th date that you can do, that they put down as you can leave the country it might be extended to June the 30th. I want to cry. How can the date be extended beyond the date I'm leaving the house? I'm leaving the house on June the 21st. How can the date now be after that? I don't give a heck. I'm going out. But yeah, so that's... that's Yeah. This morning, I actually saw, uh, got a little notification on my phone, Financial Times, and it literally was just like, um, Boris Johnson warns (laughs) of third wave. Um, Yeah. Wave currently uh, striking Europe might reach the shores of England. And I was like, What? Yeah, I said we'll actually be in 2027 and talk about the 25th wave. Yeah, it's this mad. I'm not a declarer or a declarer by nature. I'm really not. <laughs> this situation, I might have to call on the widest uh, range of saints and say, well, that, "Can we really seek the Lord and say, yeah. can we come outside?" Them African angels, you might need to consult. I might them need them. all of them. <laughs> yes, it's Black mad. American, all of the brown angels, <laughs> come and help us. <laughs> oh, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how that goes. But Israel, stateside, are you good? How's it going there? Yeah, it's been. I mean, uh, it's 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 going okay. Vaccines are starting to to pick up, and it feels like um, things are returning, quote unquote, returning to normal slowly, slowly. Um, but obviously, there's a lot more uh, political um, tension in the church with 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 COVID. Um, a couple of churches, mine included, are are hoping to reopen services for Easter. Okay. And kind of like as one year since we've been able to meet in person right. and stuff like that. And you know how I like to like check on other churches for fun. Um, I've seen at least two churches now where the pastor has said, if you come here without a mask, you will not be allowed in. Okay. I love it. Please. Is that a big thing I understand. Huh? Is that but like a controversial <laughs> thing to say? I don't know. It is when you're dealing, when you when a good portion of your congregation is going to be like hard right wing conservatives who are like i'm not wearing a mask but what's what's why can't it what's the issue of wearing a mask i don't get it it's bowing to the it's, yeah, power it's, of the air 
it's it's a, it's a it's a impingement on your on your liberties is, is would be the argument a mask to not wear a mask i love i think this mask should be permanent i love it i don't even get cold <laughs> you see aunties that you know how much I my scarf is not doing enough when i have to up the mask bro so, yeah you know how many aunties oh. i've got in the street because they can't recognize me with my mask i love this mask thing i don't understand <laughs> mary said i'm incognito keep the mask you're great yeah, like, so what a mask to them is is beef from a Christian it's point actually, of view. There's, there's tons of memes and just videos online where, you know, someone will go into a, um, a supermarket not wearing a mask and like the um, store owner will be like, can you just please put on a mask? Like, no, you can't tell me what to do. I can wow. Do and they'll be fighting in like aisle six. I hear like, what? Yeah, you Americans are very strange, man. You Americans are very I, strange. You, you, I don't know who you is, but cool. <laughs> Yeah, you're practicing. <laughs> people. Part time, part time people. Part time people. Part time people. No, yeah. but um, shout out everyone because people seem to find the last episode very challenging, very encouraging about um mm. submitting to church leadership. So this episode, uh, we were gonna continue actually, but we're gonna take a quick break. We haven't done Ox BB in a minute, so we are gonna do Ox BB. But before that, people were actually asking us to talk about the takeaways from the Prince Harry and Meghan sit down with Oprah. So, guys, first question, yeah. What were your What were your thoughts watching it? Of course, Gabby, you. I'm coming to you to Gabby because Israel and I had actually seen it in that last episode. So, Gabby, after you watched it, what were your first thoughts? Did I tell you that I watched it? You still haven't seen it, mm-hmm. sis. I'm one of those friends that will enjoy watching <laughs> something four years later. Like now, <laughs> today, I'm watching Grey's Anatomy. You know what I mean? Oh, I've not watched it. So I'm probably not the best person to come to you. I've got takeaways. Obviously, we saw the clips. And to be honest with you, the actual interview itself is one thing. The palaver and escapades in reaction to the interview. Yeah, I, sure, I did see all of that. But I'll let you guys actually discuss the content of the interview because I don't really have anything to say. I, I, just, it. <laughs> I just want to get my thing out of the way. Yeah, So I love the Queen. <laughs> I'm a big believer in the Queen. And I think the Queen kind of left that interview. I think she she was able to keep her witness as a believer. Like They had nothing negative to say about her. So bam. I did not see that curveball coming, Mary. Bam. Mary said, I'm a queen stan <laughs> and it's not Beyonce queen. We're talking. Bam. The queen's a, I've, I've been arguing with man for years that the queen's a Christian, you know. And you oh, see the oh, witness, okay. like the witness that, that Meghan and Harry, they both said she, I mean, Meghan even shared a story about she came to visit them and the queen was in church. I said, oh, she stays in the house of the Lord. That's what she does. <laughs> and then <laughs> Meghan was like, she was nice Mary. to her you're funny megan was like she was nice to her prince harry was like i respect her too much he was quick to to throw his dad on the bus but he had nothing negative to say for his grandmother and he also said his grandmother reaches out to him to ask how archie's doing again another reminder that this woman is under grace i said this queen yeah like obviously we can talk about the firm and maybe her passivity but from my standpoint i feel like this girl is still bearing fruits this girl this woman is still bearing fruits of a believer what i'm championing the queen man that's actually funny <laughs> is all your thoughts uh wow you man i'm disbelieving making me laugh I, yeah <laughs> i i think i have like a, a side pushback to that um uh, the queen the, the the part about the queen i don't know i'm, I'm uh, relatively speaking i think i'm i'm good with the queen and, and considering um harry and megas uh, megan's um, experience of other members of the royal family definitely like the queen stands out um even in their own description as being someone for whom they've um yeah like respect and have had wonderful experiences with if i guess my 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 thoughts are if 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 what is true about the institution 
is correct, then I'm sure the queen knows a lot more than she acts on. Um, mm-hmm. And so I wonder, and this is this is pure um, speculation, and I don't know that I can never get an answer for this. I wonder t- how much the queen knows and has been silent on and the morality of that. Um, do you know? I don't know. I don't have to describe it. Like, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like, and, and so, but that's, that's a speculative statement. I, I, and so I want to be careful there, which is why it's like a slight pushback. I don't feel like it's, mm. I can actually assert, you know, I know this to be the case. Yeah. Um, Not to say the crown is, is real, but I think from watching the crown, I think there's a common theme of the queen being very passive, um, and kind of mm. let not wanting to kind of shake the table, so to speak. So yeah, not to the say crown, the not crown, to, not the TV shows. Yeah. The actual crown restrains her. Yeah, um, I think there's so that. yeah, it's office, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's office, it's duty, and I suppose there's because there's a self control in that. That I think, yeah, I don't even think I've, I could muster if I got something to say. Best believe, now, <laughs> so I'm gonna jump up and say something. So, so that is a phenomenal amount of self control she must have to really restrain, be restrained by the crown. Again, I'm I'm a big big crown fan. So I hear you. That was that's really. I'm taking that as documentary evidence. Really, that's what's happening here. And Gabby, you saw in the crown when she's been chilling with Billy Graham from like the '60s. I'm telling you, this woman's deep. This woman's deep. I'm telling you, this woman's deep deep in the Bible. She's deep in the Bible, but um, she puts up her one finger when she's walking through church. She does. She does. (laughs) She stays in. She stays in church as well. But Gabby, um, what did you think of the whole Piers Morgan leaving Good Morning Britain? First of all, this guy is a master, master performer. Yeah. That thing was scheduled yeah. and planned. He knew mm-hmm. he, he ain't jumping nowhere, going nowhere without his plan B in the bag. He's probably mm-hmm. got something set up, set up, ready to go to. Um, I think it, obviously it's irony of ironies that this guy berates from his occupation is berater. He mm-hmm. looks, looks to shout down people, come sideways at people. Really does say some very wild things on on Her Majesty's television, not BBC, not quite, but you know what I mean. Um, and he said, but then this man that came to talk to him came very politely, came very quietly. Piers Morning cried his tear and stormed off. I don't understand it. I, I think it must have been yeah. pre-planned, scheduled. He knew he was going to go. He said, this is my moment to cut. And he cut. <laughs> That's that. Mm, mm, yeah. But yeah, there's there's some comments. That, the one, um, even I think just before he, he uh, stormed out, um, when... They were talking about the whole, you know, the the member who who asked about how how uh, dark will, um, forget the baby's name now, uh, Archie, Archie, yeah, how how dark will Archie be in his complexion? And they're going back and forth about that. And um, I again, I forgot the guest name, but the guest was like, you know, to ask that kind of question is to actually, you know, play into a racist trope and he was like oh no but there's lots of couples for whom they ask that question they wonder how dark will the baby be and i thought Piers, i don't think you understand what you're saying right now mm. like we're saying that that was a problematic racist statement and you're saying it's not racist because other people say it yeah. all that means is that other people are racist <laughs> you actually have, you haven't proven that it's not a racist statement by saying other people say it too it was the, like it. It felt very like okay. Piers, I think you're like you're really trying to play into this well, um, and yeah. then to just follow and storm out of his own show. <laughs> he said, "He said I'm done with this. 
And I, I think there's other like panels and discussions where people were saying, okay, it's racist, but is it like racist, racist? Like, I think that whole oh, kind of, yeah, people. like casual racism. And it's, and it's like, when, where do we get in, where do we get this in our society that unless it's blatant in your Unless you've got a white hood and calling somebody a mm-hmm. monk. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's you not know, that it's bad. just cute racism, the cute racism. Yeah. The friendly one. Because I was reading like comments about what people thought of the interview, and a lot of people was like, okay, aside from the the comment about how dark the Archie will be, and you and it wasn't really confirmed who said it, is race really to play in this conversation, or is it similar to Princess Diana who just wasn't able to assimilate, so was was pushed out? And I was yeah, like, I think I think that's a helpful question to ask, and I think as much as language of intersectionality is super loaded right now for reasons I'm sure we'll get onto later. Yeah. Um, it's helpful. Like, of course, some of what uh, Megan experiences is experienced is the same as what Diana experienced. Will it have mm. been intensified because of the fact that she's not a white woman? Of course it will have. And some of that has been, has come to the fore. Um, the, yeah. In, within the royal family, what would have been said is, is one conversation in terms of the British press, you know, straight out of Compton, uh, all, all of that chat. There's, yeah. clear, there's been clear racial undertones and overtones mm. um, to how the UK press and kind of public establishment has dealt with Meghan. Did Diana get a lot of that heat? Of course she did. Um, will it have been intensified? We're not saying that her exp- all of her experience is uniquely because she's brown. Not at all. Um, but is it an added layer to her experience? Yes, it is. And that's how intersectionality works. You, you know, your personhood, there's various dynamics to how you understand yourself socially. And, and each one of them will be a contributing factor to how you're perceived in society. Um, and so the fact, you know, I didn't even know she was, I didn't even know she was black. It's a lie. Your newspapers have been knowing and been telling you for a very long time mm. yeah. that she wasn't white. Um, and your language about her is language that you use only, usually in regards to people who are not white, specifically black. Um, yeah. And you see, like, you see it in little comments like, oh, she's a beautiful woman. I didn't even know she was black. And you just think, okay, what are we saying here then? Because she's beautiful, you that, that's disguised her mm. brownness. Obviously, that sounds pernickety, but when you put that whole conversation together, it, there's a clear racial dynamic to how she was treated. I'm going to guess in the British family, things that she's probably not said, that definitely probably happened. Definitely, probably, I'm silly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, we can guess happened. Because certain members of the royal family are publicly have publicly said things that are very racially concerning. It's mm. a running joke about, is it Prince Philip, the Queen's husband? He's known for saying very problematic things and say, do I think he said some problematic things to her? Yes. Has she aired them? No. Um, mm. But yeah, it's her race intensifies the situation that Diana was, has found, well, was in. Do you know what's funny? Obviously there's a there's jokes about, you know, African aunties and, you know, Diana is their sister, their best friend. And Caribbean uh, mummies, you know, Diana was, Diana was their, really their best friend. They were schoolmates together. And I think our generation kind of lulled it like it's cute, but, you know, there'll be all your pictures from primary school and then there'll be one of Diana in the middle. <laughs> did, she, did she live here? <laughs> like, she uh. And I think we kind of like, you know, it, we lulled it. I, but I think, the, I think what Diana, I can imagine that what Diana was to that generation how they how they felt towards her and what she represented. I wouldn't be surprised if Megan increasingly represents that for some yeah. of our contemporaries. Yeah. Um, I, new, I said, Diana, I said, I, I rate that respect that the aunties had to Diana, and me, I will adopt Megan on that behalf. Um, hmm. I'm and Prince Harry. It was, um, it was Tony Blair who said that uh, Diana is the people's princess, and I think that was that statement is true for, for Megan Markle. Yeah, for yeah. a new generation, definitely. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm inheriting Prince Harry. 
Yeah, I'm inheriting Prince <laughs> Harry. I like Meghan, but I'm inheriting Prince Harry. Israel, what, what, any other things that you took away? Um, yeah, I was going to quickly throw in um, the the problematic contrast between um, Meghan and Prince Andrew, the way the, the royal family's treated both. Um, Prince Andrew obviously being um, heavily associated with Richard Epstein, who was a known um, paedophile sex trafficker. And yet he's basically been untouched. Yep. And Megan, who just wanted to get some counseling, wanted to be protected from the media, was pushed out. Mm. That says a lot. Um, anyway, go on. What was your question? Yeah, I was, I was going to ask because I think just reading the response or seeing the response online, it seems like there's a kind of a growing revisiting of the relevance of the, the monarchy and kind of discussions mm. about maybe should the monarchy be abolished? What would be like your response to that? And is there kind of a, a biblical worldview or framework you could provide in whether or, or considering if the monarchy should actually be abolished? I know what Gabby's going to say, but... <laughs> <laughs> go on, Gabby. What do you want to say? No, 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 no. You go. You go, you go, you go. <laughs> I... Oh, that's a good question. I'm at the bottom line. I'm I'm indifferent to whether the monarchy exists or not. Um, okay. The monarchy really only came out, and this is simplified, but it essentially, uh, as a as a principle that comes out of a Christian worldview, it sought to you know to take seriously the kinship uh, model that we find in the Old Testament and in the New Testament in relation to Jesus Christ, the king, the king and his kingdom. Um, and that was for a long time in Britain's history, the sort of case to be made um, for the preference of a monarchy over other forms of government. But I think now we know as Christians that um, the nation of Israel is not a model for other nations. It's a model for the people of God, which is the church. That mm. Israel actually is, you know, Israel and the church are continued people, um, not Israel and the United Kingdom or the United States or whatever. And so in my mind, whichever form of government a nation chooses to adopt is neither here nor there with regards to its closeness to God. So I don't have a, I don't have a, a is it a dog in the fight? I'm forgetting all, all the colloquial terms. Um, either way, I think, yeah, I'm indifferent to, I do think the, one of the reasons the monarchy seems less relevant now is because the queen has essentially delegated almost all her power functionally mm. to other people so she's technically the head of the um of the church um but she's delegated all of that sorry, to the, the church of England. The head of the yeah church. to the church of england sorry <laughs> sorry gabby you, we knew we knew what he meant <laughs> She said, the yeah, Lord, so just... she said the Lord Jesus yeah, is the head of my church. Of... <laughs> she, she said not my church. She said okay, not my church. church. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean she's the head of that one? That's fine. Yes, so she's the head of the Church of England, but, you know, she's given that to the Archbishop for all. And she still signs things. So even now, All Souls just got a new minister and the Queen has to act. act is the, the Queen is the one who technically appoints the rector of all souls however there's a panel who picks the rector and the queen never challenges the panel's decision she yeah. just signs the form or whatever uh, ritual she has to do um and the same thing for you know the government she's the head of the state 
but she's given that to the prime minister and his party or her party and whoever's whichever party wins the elections they're they're going to run there's still a ritual where the queen confers that power but she's functionally given it over um such that we look at our country and we look at what's how it's run and we think well what decisions does the queen actually make that affect the day-to-day lives of the people and it's you know next to nothing yeah um, because it's been given to other institutions and other key leaders in various institutions so it, it it makes it harder to make a case for the queen um because it doesn't apart from a figurehead and tradition and history or tourism there isn't actually like a governmental national um or even spiritual case i think given how much he's given away to other um subordinate uh, uh figures yeah yeah that's good yeah. I think Israel's assessment of the situation, and I think I think it's outrageously important to underline that. I think a lot of, um, yeah, the the United Kingdom being God's country and that kind mm. of history and that kind of self conception meant that um yeah we the UK adopted patterns that we see in scripture, which I think Israel so succinctly praise God for your life, bro. Like you know the continuation of Israel is not the United Kingdom, it's not Empire. Mm. It is the people of God. Mm. And so, um, yeah, the, the scriptures as a justification for UK Queen Lizzie monarchy is is very problematic. And it's actually, you know, it's again underlines the importance of reading scripture well. Um, yeah, the, the people of God had a king. Uh, his name is Jesus now. Um, mm. Yeah, and the church. His people. Amen. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> the kind of relationship between church and state, I think, is something for the church to consider quite yeah with quite with, with much precision you know much of the the church's um complicity and proactively in things that like this transatlantic slave trade was entirely because of the intertwined nature of church and state there was mm. a reason that church of england vicars were on slave ships um, chaplains were on slave ships because of the nature of church and state mm. you know there, there's still you know um bishops in the house of lords and yeah the queen is the head of the Church of England. Now, I've got many brothers in the Church of England, sisters in the Church of England. That's slightly a wild thing because obviously right now, you know, Mary, don't worry. Right now, whilst she's, you know, the Queen is a Christian, praising the Lord. Obviously, we've got other issues with that, but, you know, at least right now, she's a Christian as far as we know. Yeah. I don't know about Charles. I don't know he will, William. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you can entirely conceive of a world in which and uh, someone who's a professing atheist is by virtue of office, the head of the Church mm-hmm. of England. Hmm. Yeah, um, that's real. That's and that's real. and that's something. And and that maybe I don't know what Charles is saying. I don't know what he's. I don't yeah. know. Um, yeah. Um. Yeah. And I think so. I think that the kind of intertwined nature between the church and state is something. Yeah. Whatever feelings about monarchy, I think my I, my energy is actually indifferent. But it is anti. This is you know God's way to rule the country. Monarchy. I think the final thing I say on kind of thoughts about monarchy. I think. It's true that a lot of her institutional power she's given away, um, head of the church, head of the state. She, she has given that away. I think I reckon she could pull it in if she wanted. To, if she wanted to, if we were in crisis mode, she could pull it back and say, "I'm gonna tell you how this thing's going down." But right. as, as of how things stand, she's given it away. I think lots of the queen's power and really the power of the royal family is in soft power. It is in Britain's mm. conception of itself. You know, Britannia. Um, empire I think it's interesting I don't remember a few years I was talking to someone about this not long ago um, 
I don't know if you remember kind of when when schools in the UK were trying to talk about British values, they wanted to teach British values at yeah. school. And mm-hmm. people then said, oh, that's a great idea. Uh, well, what will we teach? <laughs> then people started stuttering. Uh, fairness, <laughs> uh, uh, rule of law. What, will you, what, like, what, what is British culture? What are British values? And that's a whole other conversation. But I think mm. when Britain tries to conceive of itself, uh, it feels like the things on which Britain can hang its identity are few and are waning away. Um, but one of the things that Britain can hand it, hang its identity on is monarchy, is on the Queen, is on the royal family. Um, I think we, people struggle to talk about British values in a way that all of the UK can identify with, um, that all of you know, that all of Britain kind of belong to. Um, I think people struggle. To, Britain often struggles to conceive of itself. You know, like Britons don't really know what to be proud of or what to not be proud of, and it, self-conception is, is quite a fraught thing often. But one thing that is very clear. In, in Britain's um, conception of itself is monarchy. You know, we, hmm. we empire, we rule, we used to rule, uh, but we still got ruling energy, even though we're small, uh, all that kind of thing. Um, independence, Brexit, like we're strong, uh, we have a queen and we, we take, we run the thing. And um, I think that's often, I think that's where a lot of the queen's figurehead power comes from, not necessarily in her hard power and what she'll execute, but in what she represents for for Britishness. Yeah. I think she's held up as, as a virtue of Britishness. You know, very stiff upper lip to get the job done. Very um, dutiful. For a certain generation, this is, yeah, she's a, she's a an embodiment of Britishness. It, interesting mm. to see how many generations that will play out if we'll feel the same about Charles and if we'll feel the same about William. I don't think monarchy is going anywhere. If you watch The Crown, you know that there's been many times where no one liked the Queen. Many times. Yeah. Where, yeah. The, where the UK did not like the Queen. Mm-hmm. But they'll reposition. Again, I was yeah. talking to somebody. I, I said I was talking to somebody. I was on Clubhouse. That's why I was talking about this. <laughs> and um, <laughs> um, man like Corey Bernard, shout out. Corey Bernard was like, um, all it will take is, um, what's William's son called? Uh, George. Charlie, right? George. 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 All it takes yeah. to George to jump on TikTok in a few years, be a handsome young man. And, and and be a bit cool, and the monarchy's back on. It's on. Um, mm. Yeah, we say, yeah. It, yeah. They'll pivot, they'll get some good PR. They're even already trying to do good PR with... Uh, Their man are on a bit of a rollout. Their man are on a rollout. <laughs> <laughs> We're not racist. They'll pivot. You know, William's hugging yeah. his brown friend on the front of the paper. I hope that is his friend. That's good. Um, yeah, and uh, they'll pivot, they'll ride it out, and, um, and monarchy will stand, I mm. think. And yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet my house on it because you know we're not a betting girl like that. But I think it's, it's quite likely that this is not the end of monarchy. Many worse things have happened. Princess Diana yeah. died. Do you know what mm, I mean? Yeah, she really mm. died. <laughs> and people were raising eyebrows about the Queen about it. Still to this day, Meghan is not. I don't think she's bringing it down. Yeah. No, no. Those are, those, that was a really good point. Sorry, as well. Historically, it takes it takes a war for like a, a super nation to come down. A war and, and a revolt from yeah. think about French. It's, I can't mm-hmm. imagine that. that you, see, yeah. mm-hmm. you see what I'm That's what it's Bristol. gonna take. It's not gonna be some media backlash. Yeah, it can happen though. You see, you might have, have you guys seen that Bristol protest? protest? Well, Bristol, you're <laughs> yeah. Bristol, but UK wide Bristol. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that was really good. That was really good uh, points, guys, that you guys raised. Um, yeah, very helpful. Uh, again, I, I would agree with both of you. Yeah, I'm not. 
I, I like the Queen, but the, the monarchy, if, if it can go, it can go. If it doesn't, if it stays, it stays. I'm I'm quite indifferent. Um, right. But right. yeah, let's let's move on to Ox BB. Let's see if we can get through a couple questions that people <laughs> have actually submitted. Uh, guys, we appreciate you guys sending in questions. We've actually got a backlog that we're working mm. through. And if you guys have got any more questions, you can send us an email, you can DM us on Insta or Twitter. We even have a curious cat if you want to submit anonymous questions. So first question was actually submitted by Chewed. I hope I've said your name right. Shout out him, big guy in, in the scene. Uh, his question is, what are the topics in Christianity worth disagreeing on? Hmm. What are the topics in Christianity worth disagreeing on? Is the whole primary, secondary, um, the way kind of some people cut primary issues, secondary issues, is that a, a helpful marker to use? Um... Shout out the silence. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I think the the primary, secondary, I would even add a tertiary okay. as a as a scale. I think distinct that like threefold distinction is it's almost I want I want to say necessary uh, mm-hmm. at least to begin to understand the kind like what topics would be worth disagreeing on and what topics wouldn't be mainly because and I'm sure we've all have experiences of this. I think uh, when you look at this the the scale of the scale the range in christianity right if we're using like political language of conservative to to liberal extreme right extreme left um extreme conservatives theological conservatives see everything as a primary issue and so everything is worth separating over everything is you know is worth fighting over and we i'm not going to name names but i can think of churches in london who want to excommunicate members for dancing to music Bloop. You know, because everything, <laughs> everything is a primary issue. Um, and then on the extreme left, with like theological liberalism, nothing is primary. Everything is tertiary. So you can have, um, and there's a, the United Church of Canada, quoted as the most liberal denomination, has ministers that are atheists, um, like self-described atheists who function mm-hmm. as ministers in their church, because nothing is worth disagreeing over. Nothing is worth separating over. Now, those are extremes, right? So most Christians across the world will not be on either side. But I think that those extremes show why it's important to try and figure out how do we actually strike the balance? Because obviously some things are worth separating over, but not everything is worth separating over. Um, so how how do yeah. you form those those like you know you offered three three kind of folds mm-hmm. or three buckets how do you separate so yeah how do you decide or determine i'm assuming you're going to say the bible but yeah but how do you start <laughs> to determine what's primary what's secondary what's what's tertiary right um this is my my thoughts and i i will say that what what classifies as primary secondary tertiary is its own conversation and debate especially when it comes to the secondary and tertiary yeah, um, but generally, I think um, primary would be anything that would determine whether someone was a Christian or not. So, like, yep. if if someone disagreed with this topic, we would we would have to say, "Okay, you're not a Christian." Like that's like that you know you've stepped away from just fundamentally what it means to be a Christian. And so that's essentially agreement on the nature of God, um, the Trinity. And in subset of the Trinity, like the nature of Jesus Christ as the second person of the Trinity, so the hypostatic yep. union, fully um, 100% God, 100% man, like that, you know, all of the nature of God. Um, yep. If someone says, I don't believe Jesus Christ was God, you're not a Christian. Like that's 
Christians believe that. This is very foundational um, doctrine. I would also say, and this is maybe open to a bit more uh, scrutiny. I'd actually also say just a basic affirmation of the Apostles' Creed is probably a helpful way to to define that. And, and mainly because the Apostles' Creed is broken up into three sections according to the Trinity. Um, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And then within each, it speaks of, um, it names specific beliefs that are key to each so for example jesus christ you know that he was crucified died and was buried on the third day he rose from the dead like that you know if you if you say i don't believe jesus christ rose from the dead like you're not a christian that's a primary doctrine so i just tend to use the apostles creed as as the the marker of primary secondary is would be anything that you would say this person is a christian and i disagree with them but I probably can't go to the same church they do. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you're not, so you, and, and the term for this would be technically, if, if primary issues define orthodoxy and heresy, then um, secondary issues define heterodoxy, which is like, so like if, if I was speaking, if I were, um, let's use the example, oh, I'm trying to figure something that's a secondary issue, but not too controversial. Um, baptism I yeah I wanted to avoid that one because I feel that's what we bring up but let's just go for it so I I hold to infant baptism and so my my position would (laughs) my position would be that those who don't hold to infant baptism are heterodox now that sounds scary but it's not it just means that I that I consider it to be a wrong interpretation of scripture but not one that is heresy so it's not I'm not saying that credo baptists are not christians that's that's silly but i'm saying it's still a wrong interpretation and obviously vice versa someone who's who believes in believers baptism would call those who hold to infant baptism heterodox but so and, and what that means is that they probably wouldn't go to the same church um because that level of disagreement actually affects the practice of the church yeah other things that would be included in this would be like you know um the question of women's ordination um, spiritual if you gifts? actually generally yeah spiritual gifts speaking in tongues um the, the practice of them at least and and other other spiritual gifts i'm trying to think of what else would come up under there but most of the debates we have within the christian circle actually has to do with the secondary yeah um doctrine and the th- uh, secondary um um, order but the the tertiary would be things that we can disagree on but doesn't mean i have to go to a different church mm-hmm. um so it doesn't affect the practice of the christian church or your particular local church um such that you we can both attend and you know that that can range from you know anything from um whether you believe instruments should be used in the church or not yeah to um the views on the end times you know where are you pre-mill i'm using a lot of feel free to google this these words you know if you're pre-millennial a millennial post-millennial that's not going to affect the regular preaching of the word yeah the sacraments and and so on and so forth and again there's a debate about what secondary and tertiary because i feel that's harder yeah i would agree Mm -hmm. but if you if you hold to a position that is so significant you couldn't attend a church that disagrees with you. I would say you're holding to something you consider secondary. Mm. Israel, yeah. that was such a helpful answer that I think you should write in an article form. 
Oh my days. <laughs> Actually, I should I should I should I should expose myself and say that there's a a book on this that does okay. a much better job. Gavin Ortland, um Finding the Right Hills to Die On, Theological okay. Triage. So, That's a and, great book title. We need to talk about his yeah. new book. We'll, we'll do that in a new episode. The Ortlands are really doing a lot of things out That's, here. The new Shout book is... Are you talking about um, Heart Gentle of, um, and Lowly? Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm hearing... Some people, people have been recommending me the book and then some people are like, read it and tell me what you think. And, and you know when people say that and it's, it's almost like a precursor oh, of, right. I have issues with this book, so... Coming I don't know. But I've, I've only heard um, good things about Gavin, so I'm excited. And the Ortland family are my people. Yeah, the, the Gentle and Lowly is written by his brother, Dane. Okay. But... The whole Ortland um, gang doing a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, I think there's three of them. And Eric is at, at Oak Hill, actually. Yeah. I, I don't think that's a... I don't know if this is a brother, but he has the same last name, so I'm guessing they're related. I think it's like an uncle or a dad or a somebody. I think they are, they are related, I think. Imagine, yeah. like, raising son. Don't quote me, Ray Ortland, yeah, you did a good job, man. Your wife too, but just raise godly sons. Like, oh, fantastic. No, but for no, that, that, was, that was very helpful. Um, I, I think I love the point you made about scripture kind of determining... I, mm. I think it's R.C. Sproul that talks about, you know, where God whispers, don't shout, and where, you know, God mm. shouts, don't whisper. So That's that should kind of focus what, what, you, what you prioritise <laughs> yeah. in terms of, you know, R.C. Sproul says too many good things. But yeah, that will prioritise what's primary, secondary, and tertiary. And and I, and I think the way, mm. you, the way you tease that was, was really, really helpful. Gabby? Can I push Can I push this a bit? I know that we're looking at time. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at time too. I think <laughs> push it, push it. the question is coming from the context of thinking, looking over SBC, um, not not Stockholm Baptist Church, sorry, Southern Baptist <laughs> yeah. in the States, the American SBC. You know, we've seen guys leaving that denomination um, because of, yeah, because of the organisations welcoming open arms to men and women, I'm sure, who have taught things, um, hmm. yeah, around race and justice that they just can't sit in the same denomination as. Yeah. I think, to be honest with you, I was a bit naive about the extent of some of the people who had been embraced. There's some things that I heard the other day I said, people aren't saying that, are they? Like, people are really... So I think, you know, mm. I think sometimes I can be a bit shielded, maybe in the UK we can be a bit shielded from some of the really quite heinous things that some people have said and written about and stand by um, with regards to slavery and, yeah, and justice and race um, that has led to some members on the other side of kind of that denomination leaving the denomination. Yeah. Where does that fit in the kind of primary, secondary, mm. tertiary situation? I'm asking because actually, I don't know. And that's, a, that's a good question. I've never, uh, I've ne- I did, I, that helps make some sense of things now. Because I, I haven't, basically, I think part of the tension with the question of justice and racial justice, I guess more specifically, is that I think it's moving from a tertiary to a secondary. Mm-hmm. I think that's part yeah. of the tension. And I, I wouldn't have used that that language for it before but it's becoming an issue where now folks are saying if we can't agree on this i, can't, I don't think i can attend the same church yeah whereas we though for a long time i think it was like oh we can disagree but we can still go to the same church and we can still be in the same you know small group and whatnot but now it's moving to secondary and, and i don't know what and then the question of should it be secondary is its own you know i i'll need to think about that some more and I think um, for some people, it's even cracking onto a primary, you know, um, you know, those woke, those woke ones aren't really Christians, kind of, hmm, you know, yeah. woke are not really hmm. a Christian. Ooh. And we're going to question if you, if you believe the gospel. Um, right. And I'm sure it goes the other way around. If you're super anti-woke, I don't know what that's called. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm going to question if you're a Christian. Um, do yeah. you believe the gospel? Do you, be- do you believe the 
that God is, you know, loves. Because <laughs> mm. speaking that way. So I think, I, I wonder if for some parts of this conversation on Twitter, of course, which is the extremes, but often the extremes filter through into the middle. Um, yeah, if, if actually for some it's becoming a, a primary, like if you're saying that you can't actually be a Christian. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I don't know. I don't have any answers. Real. I say this is SBB. Yeah. is really asking the question. <laughs> yeah, I think, but I think that's the that's the pattern of what we're seeing. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and it's worrying that it's. it's I I find it worrying for all the disagreements I have with folks. I'm, I find it worrying that uh, it's it's for some it's creeping into the first order primary level because in my head I'm like, okay, that it just shouldn't be. Yeah. Um. So yeah, to say that whether they're woke or anti-woke, they're not a Christian, that's damnable statement. You know, that's real. That's hefty. That's not. <laughs> anyway, let me sit on that one for a while. <laughs> yeah, I, that's why I think that the distinctions are so helpful. And I, I think it's good for us to remind remind ourselves of that because it's easy to get whatever the, whatever the subject is, it's easy to get so focused on it that and you look around at your brothers and sisters who are ignoring this concern you have and then think you know are these people christians and it's like actually no like the first order and of course you can you can you know tease out however you want but the first priority and the first order is what do we believe about god what do we believe about the bible what do we believe about the gospel those are the primary mm. things and then the secondary things as you said are things that you might say okay uh, you know, you guys are Christians, but uh, I might, you know, check that church around the corner as opposed to stay here. Or I might just have to, in unity, decide to stay out of love um, in hoping that, yeah, we can just live as we can as saints. So, yeah. D- Gabby, mm. your question was really, really trying to challenge us. <laughs> I'm, I'm asking because I actually don't know, because I can imagine, it's sometimes I'm talking and like, in my own head I'm arguing with myself because I hear, I hear all of that and I like, amen all of that. But then I think... Um, but the gospel has implications. And I wonder yep. about the implications of the gospel not being lived out. It's kind of back to a church discipline thing. Do you discipline? If, if it's a clear gospel implication that's not being lived out, is that a kind of, we disagree, we read this differently, let's go to a different church, or we stay in the same church and I, Matthew 18, this situation. I don't know. Um, if, if, if someone's in sin and that sin looks like, yeah, I don't, I, I'm still thinking it through. Where, right. Where, what what's kind of first order second order third order where do gospel implications fit in that because if someone's in my church saying no women are dogs women are not image bearers okay that's not mm. a primary they believe that the trinity is real and they believe that jesus christ lived and died and rose again do you know what i mean but women are not image bearers where does that go is that is that primary is that secondary is that tertiary is it an implication of the gospel and is that something that i should say or maybe we just disagree and we should go to different churches i don't know i'm so I'm, like i said i'm not really answering any questions yeah, you, i'm asking questions we're going to different churches and you might not get invited to the cookout as well i would say i would say that the the image of god though i it might uh, primary uh, yeah and i i would say that it falls when, under the when kind of breakaway the, in, in the states is 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 an image of god primary kind of breakaway i don't know um yeah i'm not being helpful sorry <laughs> no no I, I you're raising a lot of good questions i'm gonna have to process as well um but at least, at least just on the image of god the reason i would put that primary i think is because of um the nature of god as creator um uh is a primary rests yeah re, yeah it's a primary issue and and when you look to the scriptures and you look at the what the, the you know the first instance of god being described as a creator it ties it immediately to um, humans as being distinct from 
the rest of creation as made in the image of God. So I think to to deny that humans are made in the image of God is in some sense to deny the fullness of God as creator. Mm-hmm. Um, Amen. So, I, so I, yeah. But, but, <laughs> but, but what, what that does for me though is that it's making me think um, like how do you connect? So like you said about, you know, the gospel and its implications, how do you connect um the dots between various doctrines and the, the severity of them. So for instance, we would want to say that all Christians believe and it's primary that they believe um, in the idea of loving their neighbor and like true Christian ethics of living out the gospel. But does that mean that all Christians have to have a shared view of policies about yeah. Yeah, the state yeah. welfare? That's an yeah. extreme example, but it shows like how, like implications how you, are tricky. It, yeah. yeah. Like at what point do you say, okay, this is the cutoff. Where we can start disagreeing, yeah, um, yeah. And I wonder yeah, how much in the binding, when it comes to that level of com- conversation, you are talking about binding consciences, and you mm, have to be careful yeah. what calls sin, what the Bible calls sin, yeah, and not and not go beyond that. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a good question. Maybe that's the P- if you got a PhD title already, Israel. <laughs> maybe you can take this one. You just got. I'm telling you, I, that, ar- you that article is 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 waiting to be written, but. Israel, I'll, I'll definitely, I'll encourage you. I'll encourage you to do it. But Amen, second question, <laughs> this second question might take us over the, it's probably the only question we can deal with and it might take us over the hour. Gabby, please don't don't cry. But the second um, question is, <laughs> what are your thoughts on CRT, critical race theory? So I'm going to do this thing where I'm going to mute my mic. I have nothing to say. The thing is, I, let, me, let me put my cards on the table. So engaging with, with, you know, all the back and forth about justice and the different camps and the different circles. I got to a part in my in my kind of watching all of this where I got very exhausted and both camps, whether mm. you were pro or even against, I just started unfollowing everyone. So I really just disconnected from the arguments. Um so every time I think I've got something, okay, this is what I think biblically, a word is just thrown out. And now I've just been seeing mm. CRT thrown out, but I'm just like I I don't know mm. what this thing is. Um so I'm just gonna. That's all I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm with my mic. So Gabby and Israel, whenever you guys are ready. This is the welcome to the Ask Israel podcast. <laughs> it's nice to have you with us. Episode seventy-five. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Me myself, though I'm exhausted. I, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I. Oh, man, critical race theory. I I honestly think um, everyone just needs to breathe. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Find some meditation music on your Spotify. Just take 10 minutes and like relax is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, like it's it's an exhausting um, topic for me, not just because of the social media dynamic that's come with it, but because I think it, it shows. Um, so there's a, there's a, oh, I forgot his name now. There's a um, evangelical historian or uh, a historian of of evangelicalism, Mark Knoll, that's it, who once, you know, in his one of his famous works, um, the first sentence of his book was, you know, the scandal of the evangelical mind, that's, that's the book. You know, the scandal of the evangelical mind is that there is no such thing um, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the case he was trying to make is that the, the evangelical movement doesn't have an intellectual tradition the way you might think of um, other Christian traditions, uh, such as Catholicism or um, Lutheranism, Anglicanism, uh, um, even the, you know, 
to some degree the Methodist. Like there isn't there isn't a a robust intellectual tradition within evangelicalism, and I think this debate kind of shows that to me um, that there isn't a robust engagement with intellectual. Um, movements intellectual themes at the highest level and that doesn't mean what and what i mean by that is not that there aren't evangelical pastors and so on speaking on this topic who haven't read a lot Mm -hmm. or who haven't uh, who can't understand philosophical concepts what i mean by that is that there there's a foundational um disingenuineness with the way the conversation is framed critical race theories was primarily a, a a theory that came out of legal studies that applied critical theory, which is its own, not separate, but its own um, thing yeah. to the question of race within um, legal structures, legislation. That is actually uh, the first institution in the US to start critical race studies in their law school was UCLA. And it's a whole you know certificate alongside your JD where you're studying race and policing. Um, race and mass incarceration and the whole question of how, how when we consider the question of race within the context of certain legal procedures what do we find and how can we adjust them to be more equitable for all people when they interact with the legal system that that's the primary context of crt it, it, they weren't out here trying to figure out which church um is doing what i, I feel like the way we've we've taken crt into this um CRT is a is an alternative gospel. It gives you a definition of creation, fall, and redemption. Yeah, um, it's. I'm like any legal scholar who is a self described critical race theorist would be like, "What? I'm trying to talk about mass incarceration. Like, I don't, I, I don't care either way whether you believe in God or not. Um, I'm dealing with issues of policing and police brutality. What are you talking about with this whole? It's given an alternative view of redemption. Like th- that wouldn't make sense." to someone who would be a self-described critical race theorist. That's my point. And I think if you can't if you can't define a theory that would be approved by the person who promotes it themselves, you haven't defined it properly. Mm. Uh, and and that's where I think the issue is because I'm I, I look I compare the academic discipline to the conversation on Twitter and I'm like, these are two different conversations. The folks in the law schools aren't having the are not addressing these things that you, you know your pastor in Oregon wanted to talk about because he's convinced CRT means you're not a Christian. Um, now, it it borrows from critical theory, which is a philosophical tradition that is, you know, it's essentially neo-Marxist, um, and I think that philosophical tradition has a closer ramifications for Christianity. Um, so, and and and. To, to give a broad overview, critical theory came out of the Frankfurt School. Um, some Jewish German uh, scholars who saw riding out of the wave of, of 18th, 19th century, no, 19th century um, Marxism developed a view essentially of Marxism applied to societal structures and societal institutions that talks about the question of power, primarily power. There's other things that come up, but like where are power dynamics and how can we um, subvert those power dynamics for the purposes of liberation. So out of critical theory is not just CRT, but even liberation theology um, is another sort of like grandchild yeah. of critical theory. But the, the all of all of that and the nuance of that, I don't feel like is actually really um, spoken about when we talk about CRT. What people, at least from my observation, you guys can tell me if you've seen something different. 
when people talk about CRT, they're primarily talking about what they believe is a misconception of of the question of systemic justice or systemic injustice, right? The questions of white privilege, um, whiteness as a motif in society. Uh, all of that is is one degree away from the legitimate academic discipline itself. And I think that's why one for one, we should just probably just stop using the term. Yeah. Um, because it's not being genuine to the people who are actually using that term. Like we have full-time professors who have been doing their work and they're like, this is not what we're talking about. So I just want to say like, step away from that. Um, but on the question of systemic justice, like I would have views of systemic justice and systemic injustice that people would say, oh, he's a CRT proponent. And he's probably not a Christian. Boo. Um, but on that matter, it's, <laughs> I appreciate that. On that matter, it's, it's clear to, I would just simply say systemic injustice has existed long before Marxism was even a thing. And Christians have been opposing systemic injustice long before Marx was even born. We don't need Marx. We don't need Marxism. We don't need CRT or any whatever you want to claim to talk about the question of justice. Um, there's, there was a... a, a um, I saw one tweet that I think just did a really good job about this. It said, second, um, systemic injustice is the second most condemned sin in the Old Testament after idolatry. Mm. Like, like deep, like deep that. Yeah. And you only have to look to the book of Isaiah for you to be like, oh yeah, that's, that's true. Like God says after idolatry, the next most condemned sin is you steal from the poor um you don't feed the hungry you, you know isaiah 58 is like i feel like just key for that you know you you fast and pray you give me all these religious devotions but you don't give bread to the hungry you won't release the 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 captive um you oppress people you're you're this is the true fast this is the true religious devotion that you actually live equitably in the land um, you don't need like we don't even need to start talking about any Frankfurt philosopher you want to mention for us let's just talk about Isaiah let's just talk about how the Israelites treated people and the issues God had with them for doing that and then let's, let's talk about our 21st century yeah and then say oh, when we talk about loving our neighbor are you saying there is no correlation no connection to what God asked of Israel and what God asked of the church you're saying there's no no connection at all I, you know I, and so for me i'm just like if and again terms for me uh unless they're very clearly defined i i almost would just say i don't care which terms you use um as long as we're actually dealing with the problem at hand so if if someone wants to say crt is problematic i'll be like cool drop the term let's forget it don't even forget it don't even use the word um let's talk about lo loving our neighbor let's talk about the christian vision um of loving your neighbor for the well, let's talk about the christian vision of the church's witness in the world let's just talk about that abandon all the marxist terms you've heard and let's not see if we can come to the same conclusion because i think we can if we actually do that um and there's enough in the scriptures for us to be um a witness to the world of an alternative community hashtag sermon on the mount <laughs> um, um, but let's be let's be an alternative community that actually shows the world what the world can be 
when it comes under the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. And that's what we're asking for. Anyway. No, 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 I agree. Yeah. And I, I think, I think the things I've seen is that sometimes when, when we approach or when we even want to seek to approach a topic like race or justice, people begin to just throw terms at you that you, you just like, huh? And you, and you don't, you never actually mm-hmm. address the actual topic that I began or the actual issue that I came with. So I say, okay, there's an issue with race or is it, is there an issue with race? No, CRT is not the answer. And you're like, I didn't, I didn't say CRT. What's CRT? <laughs> it happens a lot with feminism as well. Like, so women would say, okay, women are being oppressed in the church and they say yeah but the answer isn't feminism okay but i didn't say feminism i was just but no but it's not feminism and it's like okay but we're not dealing with the the actual issue we're just throwing labels at one another and and it gets to a point where you're dismissing and tearing down arguments that i i don't even agree with like i think we would all say that crt at the heart of it isn't sufficient of course it isn't Hmm. but there are like there's things that are that, are, uh, that we can draw and we can even actually yeah. use it as, as ways to discuss biblically but we don't even get to that point because you're quick to just want to cut down the the things that i don't even stand for in to, to begin with mm. and it's just it just becomes tiring it becomes yeah very yeah. very very tiring G- gabby and any... i was sorry yeah oh, it's go um just a quick side point as as someone who uh I did philosophy and theology for my undergrad, and um, said, I'm and well I, studied in these streets. No, I, I actually want to say this is this is <laughs> I'm I'm not like there's nothing more dangerous than a than a um a, a first year philosophy undergrad, and that and when I in my first year I did um, social philosophy, and I had to read um, Jürgen Habermas and a couple other um, scholars in the Frankfurt School, and they are notoriously difficult to understand. I mean, first of all, they're German scholars. That's the first like difficulty then their works are translated in english i mean i couldn't make headway around them like i struggled to read them and i'm generally convinced that for every one person who's actually read a critical theorist or a critical race theorist like an academic scholar for every one person 100 of the rest of us are reading bite-sized tweets from someone who's claiming that they've read them we're not we don't read these guys at the depth that we actually need to if we want to engage them properly yeah i just want to say Guys, we're, we're all just watching five-minute summary videos from the same YouTubers. Let's just chill. Okay? <laughs> None of us know Habermas's actual arguments for Marxism. Okay? Let's not pretend like we're smarter than we are. We're not. Even me, as my with my mini uh, philosophy degree, I, I've forgotten everything I read from him. <laughs> like, mm. I was like, it, he didn't make sense to me. And I don't I don't know that I want to dive back into his, into his convoluted books, but... Mm. Anyway, yes. Go, Gabby. No, um, I find it so helpful. I find it so helpful that yet to hear I'm a student today. I have very little. I'm going to ask questions and take notes. I have very little <laughs> to contribute. Now, praise God. I think there's so much to think about. Um, yeah, and how it, just feeling really encouraged, actually. Like, God has given us all that we need to live well in his world, in scripture. I don't have to fight you on mm. Mark. I don't have to do that. Let's just, I said, amen, Israel. Let's talk about Isaiah. Let's just do that. Let's talk about that. Set widows from a certain ethnic background weren't getting food at the daily distribution. They didn't say, ah, is it mm. about race? It's not about race. I didn't say that. They said, oh, that's not good. Let's take care of you. That's what they said. Mm. Um, right. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's, I think that's such a, an encouragement to read God's word, to sit under God's word, to apply God's word to our lives, because that is how we 
in some ways, if we were living well as Christians in the world, it wouldn't even nice to have this conversation. It would be mute because we'd be loving people well. Like obviously, people always find things to fight about in the church every now and again because she's fast or get involved. Do you know what I mean? Um, but but really, we just lived out a Christian ethic. Um, a lot of this would would t- tie itself up. I think a theology of power is something to really think about. Hmm. What does power look like in, in the Christian worldview? Um, it's something I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about recently, not least because of the conversation with regards to women. Um, but it, yeah, it has definite implications for the conversation with regards to race. Is that is that for your book? Mary. Lord. 2022, 2022. Israel does his. Let's be clear, by the way. Both of you are writing books. Claire. That's Claire anyway. Yeah, I think power is something we struggle to think about well. I think in the world that we live in, all power, there's obviously very, very clear moves towards no one having any power, a complete democratization of power all authority is increasingly seen as bad and understandably because we see it being abused we've not even talked about uh clapham sarah we, like police officers yeah we've not even do you know i mean we see because we see so much corrupted power it's hard for us to conceive of power in and of itself being a good thing um, mm. and i think christians i really do have to work really hard to to think about power in the way that 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 god yeah, God is all powerful and that's good. Um, and so power in and of itself has yeah, there is a goodness to it. Um, even though the examples we've seen it we see so much of around us is is a corrupted version of that. There is a good and right possession and use of power. And I think ultimately these conversations do just bring me back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Um God in human form, um, God taking on flesh, all powerful, fully God, fully man. Um creator and he uses his power to do what um to serve Mm. he washes feet Mm. he eats and tax collectors and so a we see kind of the goodness of power but what power is to be used to do power is to be used in service Mm. um which i find helpful kind of yeah yeah thinking about women and church and and then thinking about race but i think there's a lot of better theology we need to do but the, the encouragement is this i think it's actually in the scriptures if we read the bible well and talk about it well and think about it well we would we would kind of get a lot further than we do on some of these conversations yeah last question just i know we've got a couple minutes left last question i'll just throw in is so with these terms so critical race theory you, you know you could throw in cultural marxism ethnic mm. marxism how helpful are these terms for <laughs> us to know like so if you're a course you know we can we can split out and say you know pastors and church leaders but also for just the everyday layman the everyday person are these are these terms helpful to know um and how should we engage with these terms as well because i know israel you said you almost feel like these these labels can sometimes be unhelpful but yeah how do we even engage with these terms um i want to i think firstly i would would say to separate out crt from cultural marxism ethnic gnosticism i think we, we we should be hesitant to use terms that describe a different philosophy or view of whatever that isn't actually advocated by self-described proponents. Um, so I think one of the dangers of like cultural Marxism, ethnic Gnosticism, those two in particular, is that there aren't self-described ethnic Gnostics who say, 
I am an ethnic Gnostic. Here's a book introducing the themes. And it's, it's a, it's a description created by someone who says it of their opponent Mm. Um, and uses it to like describe someone else they disagree with and the reason that's dangerous is because you on like it's how do you engage with someone you've been told is your opponent who won't even describe themselves in the language that's that being used yeah and, and i think for me that's enough to be like whether that's a true description or not let's just drop it that's not helpful because how how can you ever reach um or even attempt to find agreement with someone you disagree with if they won't agree with the terms you're using to describe them yeah um so i just i'm just like step away from those crt there are you know people who would say that i advocate for critical race theory who are self-described proponents and so that's slightly different and again like i said i think that's primarily in the academy there's probably some people out there in the social media world who would be self-described critical race theories theorists um and so you would say, okay, this is how they've defined the term. Now let's examine their definition to, you know, tease out the implications, conclusions through a, like a Christian engagement or whatever. Um, so that that one is slightly different. But I just, I don't use cultural Marxist or ethnic Gnostic because no one's running around calling themselves that. It's, yeah. It's almost like a pejorative term used to slander someone else yeah like- and i think that's the issue especially as christians these these terms especially in online kind of dialogues are not neutral descriptive dis- describers yeah um, mm. they are to insult people <laughs> they're used to cut yeah. people out so if you want to say something mean about them you call them a you call them woke you call them (laughs) marxist if you want to insult them now is that what christians ought to be doing nevertheless to to other christians online in finding code language to cut each other yeah that's really what we're doing we didn't want to say your mom so we said oh you you wokey (laughs) (laughs) you wokey is that what christians ought to be doing on social media you sjw my word um like it's like you know, you know when children want to swear, but they didn't want to put their middle finger up, so they put up their, their, their <laughs> and they. But really, you want you're doing the same thing. You're basically swearing yeah. with a different finger. You, it's just, that's what it feels like. You want to cuss somebody, but you don't want to swear because you're a Christian, so you just call them a Marxist. Yeah. You Marxist. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's got the same energy. God sees our hearts. Are we walking in anger and bitterness? Are we gossiping? Are we slandering people? That's those things are sin. We ought not to do those mm-hmm. things. Um, so I think, yeah, it's unhelpful because, yeah, often they're actually, they're loaded terms that are, are pejorative and really just trying to cuss people out without cussing them out yeah. because we want to be godly in our cussing. But B, I think they're often just lazy. Most, I think it's it's like those words often are hold all term for for things that I think are bad. We don't, we, yeah, as Israel so eloquently put, like we don't, we don't actually know the content of those terms. Um mm. They're just a, they're like a bag for just things that we don't like about what we think other people believe. Mm-hmm. Um, they're lazy. They're not specific. They're not helpful. They're not, they're not clear. Language is, as we, language is supposed to help move things forward is to clarify. Yeah. So yeah. We use terms that are actually in and of themselves make things fuzzier. They're opaque. We don't really know what we're saying when we say it. And people don't really know what we mean when they're receiving it. Mm-hmm. It's actually counter counter what language is for we're not expressing anything we're making things muddier um and so really talk about the content Uh, what what, yeah where possible 
discuss mm. the content, not the term the content is supposedly referring. I think often in discussing the content, you realise maybe you just have differences, but maybe they're not so yeah. uh, pejorative <laughs> as as the, the term mm-hmm. itself may, yeah. may, may make it feel. Uh, discuss content ideas, not not terms that we don't actually. I don't know what that thing means. I have to meet myself. I don't know what that mm. means. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just swearing with your pinky finger. Childish <laughs> <laughs> and ungodly. Stop that. <laughs> no, that was that was oh, very no. that was very very helpful. Um, we, we had a few more questions to get to, but we're, we're going to leave it there. But but guys, thank you for submitting your questions. We hope this episode was helpful. Again, if, if you have more questions or dilemmas that you want us to, to answer or get around to, send us an email, send us a DM on Twitter, Instagram, use our Curious Cat, comment on our YouTube channel. We'll, we'll definitely get to them. Um, and we, yeah, we, we appreciate guys for listening. Guys, anything else you, you want to add or say before I, I close this chapter, this episode of 75? We've done 75 episodes. That's crazy. That's mad. Wow. That's just mad. Um, yeah anything else you guys want to say that's technically like a I was going to say not, not Diamond Jubilee what's it called it's something Jubilee right surely yeah it's definitely oh, we'll be accepting presents I'll send you my cash app <laughs> listeners thank you it is a oh my that's what that's the note I want to end on I can't oh it's a Diamond no. Diamond Jubilee, apparently. Oh, it's Diamond. Yeah, yeah, Diamond Jubilee. Yeah, that's a cash-up of all moments. No? Yeah. For real, for real. <laughs> Here's the Blackberry slash Gabby Samuel cash-up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, guys. Pretty we appreciate cool. you guys. So, um, yeah. Yes, for sure. Deuces. Bye. Peace.